0: Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe.
1: Sexplanations podcast episode 38. I am doing a very special interview today with my mother. Woo! Hi, Mom. Hi, Lindsay. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I, I, well, I'm so cozy and happy in this recording studio in Missoula, Montana, because we have a heater now. How are you? Are you nice and warm?
0: I'm nice and warm, except for the ice pack on my hip. Oh, what's that all about? Uh, I went to the physical therapist today, Hmm. and they told me to put ice on it. From your surgery? Yes.
1: Well, hopefully that improves.
0: It will. Good. (laughs) Good.
1: Want to talk about sex with me? Sure. Cool. One of my favorite topics. Yeah, mine too. I specifically want to talk about permission with you. But before we do that, I have a question that I like to ask in every episode, a different question, to give a shout out to the very special people that support your daughter in life. Their names are Donna Flint, Paul Nixon, Joanna and the Millers, and the Fletchers. Yay for them! Here's a question.
0: Now it's time to hold our testes!
1: Yay! All right. When do you think... I first got formal sex education in school, and it's multiple choice. So we have A, third grade, B, fifth grade, C, seventh grade, or D, ninth grade? B. Good
0: job. Fifth fifth grade. Yeah. I think that's normal. Do you? Uh, I think that's when I got it.
1: That's wonderful. I tried to look up to see what the average was, but so much is going on with sex education right now that it's hard to tell what it was like on average for people at my age then, in fifth grade, then. Right. A lot of my students here, or when I go to universities to speak, they seem to not have any sex education until they get to college. Well, there's sex education
0: and then there's understanding your body. <laughs> okay. And fifth grade is where it starts in Ohio. And then seventh or eighth grade, you get health and you learn about like both bodies.
1: All bodies. Well, yeah, both bodies, because we don't learn about all bodies. We still have a binary system in our education. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's pubic hair and menstruation? Yes. Oh, and wet
0: dreams? Yes, yeah, sometimes. All right. Unless your sister's a sex therapist and then she tells you earlier, like you did with your younger brother. I think he was fifth grade or older. He might have been fifth grade. I think he was 10. See? Yeah. Yeah. And look at
1: how excellently he turned out. That's my second brother that we're referring to, who is now, what, 23? No, 22. He's a leap year baby. So in reality, he's like three, right? Four and a half. Five and a
0: half.
1: Five and a half. This show is not about math. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So this episode of Sexplanations is going back to the Sexplanations show where I talked about the plicit model. And so I'm just going to briefly describe it to you and then explain why I wanted to talk to you in particular. So, there's this model um, created by Jack and I think in the 1970s, which proposes a solution for people in sex therapy or those who have some sort of sexual health issue that they want to overcome. And it's made of four tiers plicit, standing for permission. Then the second tier, limited information, the third tier, specific suggestions, and the fourth tier, intensive therapy, as in most people can resolve a sexual health issue if they are given permission. And then from there, you have a smaller group of people left over with the problem who can um, in most cases resolve that with limited information. And then an even smaller group may need specific suggestions, but the tiniest, tiniest amount actually need intensive therapy. So in my practice as a clinical sexologist, I do the first three, permission, limited information, and specific suggestions. If somebody has family of origin stuff going on or maybe a history of abuse that needs more intensive therapy, then I refer out. But I think that a lot of people can do components of this model for each other. And one of the individuals who has had the most impact on giving me permission about my body and my sexuality is you, my mom. So I thought it would be really fun and insightful for us to talk about how you fostered a healthy sexuality in me throughout my life. From the time that I was born um, until the time I left your house and then even beyond that. Okay. Okay. Do you know how you did that magic? I didn't know I did that
0: <laughs> <laughs> You did. I guess I don't know how I did something I don't know I did.
1: I think that you, uh, when I was very little, gave me a very strong message about my body being my body and who could touch it and who couldn't and what was the protocol If somebody did something to my body that I wasn't okay with, and you really instilled in me the belief that if I called that out, that I would be believed and looked after.
0: Yes, (laughs) that's true.
1: Yeah. I don't think a lot of kiddos get that. I mean, you know this about the kiddos that I work with as foster children, that Oftentimes, they will report violence from a family member or friend, and then their families will ostracize them, call them liars, discounted, et cetera. And that wasn't my experience at all. I think you told me about a neighborhood boy that was exploring my body, and I didn't feel comfortable with it. And your response was to to take me to to get a medical exam, see what all had happened and to listen to me and then um, make sure that I didn't have unsupervised time with that kiddo anymore.
0: Yes, I don't want my children harmed in any way. And I believe when they tell me when there was an issue, uh, more so, uh, yes, that was very traumatic for me, as you told me, and as we went through the process with this young boy. It was also traumatic for you when you were in kindergarten and the boys were kissing you, uh, and your teacher didn't seem to think that was an issue. And to me, it was like my daughter was going to kindergarten and being raped in her own Mm child-level situation, because the teacher felt it was boys being boys, and I said, no, they don't have permission. So that became uh, a point of contention between me and the teacher, and... You didn't want to go to school because the boys were kissing you. And I think that's where we are in this society because we always say boys are being boys. And now we're calling that out. And boys aren't just being boys. Boys boys need to be raised to respect women. I
1: don't know. You do know, though, and I'm getting all choked up thinking about what a badass you are. How did you learn to do that? To um, have an opinion other than the teachers, which was the societal norm then and almost the societal norm now.
0: Well, one, my child was hurting and didn't want to go to school. So there was a reason. And two, there was no reason for boys to be kissing you at school. There was no harm in telling them that they couldn't. But there was harm in, in allowing them to continue what they were doing. So it, what, there was, it wasn't... It was a no-brainer. You're hurting my child, she doesn't want to go to school. Stop. And asking you to stop does not affect your ability to go to school and function as a human being. And the other side of that is that you, I love teachers, I've been a teacher, I support teachers, and especially now I'm supporting teachers, but they're not always right. And they don't always know what's best for your particular child. And if you don't speak up for your child, As an adult, then the teacher doesn't always hear what needs to be heard. And I also believe that we don't understand the children that we teach or we work with because we don't know their story. And every child has a story. And there's a reason they do what they do and behave the way they behave. And the more we understand that, the better we can handle their problems and the better we can accept what we're dealing with. We can love a child if we know their their issue is home related or their I had a child that absolutely had to have a lot of attention at, at uh, when I taught gymnastics and she was driving me crazy. Well, when I learned that she was a turnkey child at 7 years old and she was going home to a, a vacant house and she wasn't getting attention, then I could accept her on her um, where she was and I could love her where she was and I could give her the attention that she needed. And that's what we need to do with our children. Or that's what I need to do.
1: Mm, There's no video for the podcast, but I'm all tear face right now.
0: Uh, maybe you didn't get enough sleep.
1: (laughs) Maybe it's that I have a really awesome role model. Huh? Okay. (laughs) Let's keep going. Uh, what other memories do I have of you giving me permission? I don't know if it was anything explicit, but I remember becoming really curious about sex during middle school when I hit puberty. And I think there was pushback with my peers or with my teachers, but I didn't ever feel it from home. I never felt questioned by you about why I was studying that or you telling me, oh, no, you need to focus on something else like this career or that career. Am I, re- mm.
0: Mm. <laughs> Am I recalling that correctly? I don't know that I was picking up on you studying other things or doing other things. I mean, you had boyfriends and they were around. And uh, I guess I just trusted you because you were a really level-headed and smart child. I mean, you, you gave me no pause to worry. <laughs> Except so. I had very little common sense. Well, there's always that But, you know, middle school wasn't showing A whole lot of common sense issues It wasn't until you started Working on getting your driver's license That I really realized you had Little common sense
1: <laughs> <laughs> and a Strong lack of direction
0: Yes, or desire I didn't realize you were I mean, you always told me you were going to be a Russian diplomat
1: Oh yeah, that's true
0: And I didn't think that was necessarily your strong suit since I didn't think you were all that (laughs) diplomatic. Um, It wasn't till college where you said, I'm going to be a sex therapist.
1: Really? Because my high school classmates recall me announcing it then during high school. And in middle school, people definitely knew it was a fascination of mine, regardless of whether or not I saw it as a career path. Maybe I just kept it from you. Maybe. But you, you brought up me having boyfriends around and I don't feel like there is any shame about that or you know you you gave me
0: permission to have those relationships Well you did go to school where there were bedrooms at the school and I figured that there was you know not a whole lot I could do to detour any you know I, I I hate to say it but I think boarding schools uh, really allow for more in-depth sexual relationships than a regular school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe it's me, maybe I just think that way, but um, I mean, certainly if somebody wants to have sex, they're gonna have, they can find a place. But um, it's convenient to have a bedroom on campus. But the first time I had sex was in a soccer field, mom. That's what I'm saying, if you want to have it, you can have it any place. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I didn't worry about you so much. I just, uh, I I guess uh, as a parent, I worry more about drinking and drugs. Mm -hmm. You
1: didn't worry about sexually transmitted infections or pregnancy? I just thought you
0: were smart enough to know how to handle it. Maybe it's because you, oh, I know. I think you said you weren't having sex. That's what it was. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it was. You told me you weren't having sex and I believed you. That I was going to wait until marriage. No, I didn't think you'd wait till marriage, but I just, I think I probably questioned you and you said you weren't, so we left it at that. And the boys you dated were very nice. They were polite. They were nice. They weren't uh, afraid to meet me. So I don't know. I just didn't worry. I don't know if you can see me. Mm -mm, I can't. I'm sitting here doing the exact same thing with my hands that you're doing with your hands.
1: Oh, I want to see. And by that, I assume you're referring to taking a hair tie and wrapping it endlessly around a finger and then taking it off and putting it back on.
0: Yes, <laughs> the exact same thing. Aww. I was doing it and then, well, we both had them on our wrist and I was play- then I started playing with mine. And then a few minutes later, you started playing with yours.
1: That's cute. No, I can't see you. Um, we are talking through... Skype and then recording sound separately so my mom and I can hear each other without the sound equipment picking up the other person's voice. And I think that's adorable that we're doing the same thing.
0: <laughs> what
1: about masturbation? Did you give me permission to masturbate
0: or dad did? I don't recall telling you you couldn't masturbate. I think you explored it when you were very young. Tell me more. Like two or three. <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> but I don't recall telling you you couldn't do it. Uh, I certainly, I didn't. I didn't even know or understand about it when I was in school.
1: Um, about, about masturbation? Yes. You didn't know about masturbation age wise. What What are you saying? You did not know that p- people masturbated or that masturbation was a thing. I
0: didn't know. I didn't know girls masturbated. I didn't know. I didn't. It certainly wasn't talked about a whole lot, except to me, you know, in rhymes or in uh, in a derogatory term, calling somebody a masturbator. Or uh, I thought it was a normal behavior, so I never, you know, if you you were exploring your body, I never thought it was bad. Yeah. So I didn't didn't have a problem with it then. Don't have a problem with it now.
1: So we moved from Florida when I was what four, five five and I have this memory of putting a seashell one of those um, I can't remember what they're called but they're very shiny and smooth and they're they almost look like a vulva on one side with little spines I have this memory of putting one inside me it's not there anymore <laughs> thank goodness <laughs> so do you have any recollection of this or know how the seashell, Got out? I don't have any recollection. Okay. I've had lots of pelvic
0: exams and no one has found it. So. <laughs> Seashell. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know that anybody went searching. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just worked its way out like a sliver does. <laughs> hey, <gosh. laughs> I have no idea, Lindsay.
1: Uh, yeah. Remember when I put a roly-poly bug in Ryan's ear? Vaguely. Yes, you we were very unimpressed, and we had to go to the doctor's office to have it removed. One of those potato bugs that rolls up into yeah. a little ball. Uh, yeah. Yes, I know what a
0: roly-poly is.
1: Well, it was around the same time, and so I was just thinking, huh, if I understood that putting things in orifices meant a trip to the doctors, I wonder if there was ever a trip
0: to the doctor for the seashell. But apparently not. Not that I remember. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Like 30 years ago. You're you're lucky I remember your name at this point. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. you You have an amazingly impressive memory. Do you have any memories of our sex talks? Did we ever have a
0: sex talk? Only that you complained that I didn't tell you enough. Like really? I didn't tell you you complained that I didn't tell you about tampons and you learned from somebody else's mother. Oh, yes, the tampon. And I didn't think you were at that age yet, so I hadn't told you yet. But I was but still then, curious. Yeah, I suppose, but I just didn't know you were at that age. What do you mean so, that age to be bleeding? Yes. But don't you think it's it's better to educate
1: people about things before they come in contact with them? or experience them for
0: themselves? Probably. Um, I just, I probably dealt with you the way my mother dealt with me, which, which was? was, uh, here's a book. If you have any <laughs> question, Here's, here, here's a pamphlet. It was a pamphlet. Here's a pamphlet. If you have any questions, you know, ask me, I think I was pretty much on my own and I probably let it go longer than I should have before I taught you anything, but I, Probably wasn't that brave, because that's the way I was dealt with.
1: See, Grandma tells the story differently. She tells it that you acted like you had all the knowledge you needed and uh, weren't interested in a talk.
0: I recall that in your interview with her.
1: (laughs) I also think that you had the advantage of my best friend's dad being a urologist, and so there was a lot of sex education coming in through them.
0: Right. And I don't know that you asked questions so much as... After the fact, you told me I didn't tell you.
1: (laughs) Yes. I think that's pretty typical. But what might be different about our household than other kids is that we had, oh gosh, sculptures of nude bodies. I remember there being some, at least one book, The Joy of Sex, around the house. There was a lot of kissing um, between you and your partner at the time. So you and my dad separated when I was around what 12 and then with your new partner you were very publicly affectionate and I think you even gave me an article or maybe he gave me an article about how important parents showing public affection was to the kids in understanding what a healthy relationship looks like. And so there was this one day I remember being in the kitchen and you had the ability to put your leg onto his shoulder. Uh, while kissing him, and I just thought, gosh, <laughs> the standard that this woman sets is too high.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Or just, uh, I think that you were a very flirtatious, sexually outgoing person. You you could do things like tie uh, cherry stem with your tongue and undo starburst with your tongue. And there were lots of, like, a lot of sensuality around us. And not in a gratuitous way. It's not like you were trying to sexualize situations, but it was definitely not something you were ashamed of.
0: There was a lot of playfulness. Yeah. But again, I thought it was a normal behavior. The playfulness? Uh, playfulness with your partner. Yeah. I mean, we weren't doing anything salacious or that, as far as I know.
1: No, but you definitely, in doing that, gave me permission to be the same way in my relationships. I can't do the leg-on-the-shoulder thing, but...
0: <laughs> I can't do it anymore. <laughs> well, oh No, I, I'm glad that you are who you are and do what you do. You know, that it's good for the sexual health of the country. Aww, and, thanks, Mom. Uh, we need to be healthy in many ways, and sexually is important. I mean, I... Every time I, I know I know you don't like it when I send you stuff on Facebook all the time, but I like to send you things that uh, have to do with all those letters LGBTQRSY, um, that all those things. I think that you are doing a really valuable service because there are so many people struggling with who they are and what they're allowed to do, and it wasn't till the early 80s, late 70s. Till the sexual movement kind of took hold for gay people, and I still know people that are hiding in their closets because they have to uh, for work-related issues. Or and I, I just think it's people should be. It, it doesn't hurt anybody if if we just let everybody be who they are. I don't, I don't care if two men get married or two women get married. Or it, it's not hurting anybody else. It doesn't hurt me. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, clearly you are a pretty wonderful person. While I wish that that was the norm for everyone, I think that your perspective isn't held by everyone yet.
0: Not even everyone in my own family. Um, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Thanks for being on my side.
0: (laughs) I just think I'm normal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs)
0: I'm not sure if that's a good laugh or not.
1: Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mind when you send me things on Facebook I just get so overwhelmed by how much is out there That's
0: true That's true There's a lot out there
1: I'm looking up the thing that you sent me most recently Because I, Well, I can probably look up the last 10 things That you sent me on Facebook And they probably all relate to sex Because you are very much on it Oh, <laughs> This is funny I'm searching for MoMA which is the nickname that I have for you. And it's not pulling up your Facebook account, obviously. It's pulling up the <laughs> museum. Yeah. Like, why isn't it working? Where's my mom? Okay, so what did you send me?
0: I don't know. I can't look it up.
1: You sent... Oh, a lot of these are super cute. <laughs> like a, there's this little spider crawling across the table. Why ancient Greek sculptures have small penises. There is...
0: That was a very re- interesting article. Well, I haven't read it. Okay, well, you'll have to when you get a chance. Kay. Or I can tell you. Oh, yeah, tell us all. Um, they thought it was barbaric to have a big penis. They thought just, uh, like, the lowlifes had large penises. I, I mean, I don't remember the, the whole part, but um, they thought that, that was much more preferred. Mm. I'm not sure why. Wouldn't be my preference.
1: To have a small penis, you, you, pre- <laughs> did you just tell me that you prefer big penises?
0: Let's not get in there.
1: Oh, my mom, the size queen. Oh, that's funny. Um, I can't find the rest of them. All these are coming up as uh, non-sexual things, but they there's some sort of like message chain that you have me on where it's some sex article, then another, then another. And they're so cool. Um, Maybe I'll put it in the description, all the cool things that my mom sends me on Facebook about sex.
0: Yeah, I said when you started studying sexology or sexual, when you started college and you (laughs) told me you were going into into sexology, Mm -hmm. I would go to the Borders Outlet, which was close to the house. And every time I saw any book that had to do with sex, I would buy it and send it to you. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember that. So this Facebook stuff is my abridged sending you sexual stuff, because <laughs> I don't have a Borders anymore, and I don't, and I don't think you want any more books.
1: Uh mm-hmm. That is true. I just got a call recently from someone who went to our local book exchange with a box of books from a deceased friend, and the bookstore people told her to call me. They gave her my contact information. I don't know why, but she calls and she says, so I went to the book exchange with these books that you're really going to want to see. They're really unique. And I knew exactly what this was all about. And she asked if she could hand them off to me like, yes, you may. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. But, you know, maybe I'll create some sort of sex museum here in Missoula, Montana.
0: That would be really good.
1: Yeah. You want to come
0: curate it for me? I don't know that I'm qualified to curate a sex museum, but sure. Oh, thank you, Mom. Could we do it somewhere warmer, though? Agreed.
1: (laughs) Uh, Let us know in the comments where we should open a sex museum.
0: I thought there was a sexy museum in New York City.
1: There is, and there's one in China. And, and where else have I been
0: to them? New Zealand. Is there one in New Zealand? Well, there's the penis one in New Zealand, the different sized penises from all different animals. you told me about. Iceland. I, I mean, not New Zealand. Iceland. Yes, yes. That's I'm sorry. True. That, that was But I've been mistake.
1: to other ones. They're they're all over the place. But we can have our own. There are never enough sex museums.
0: Well, maybe you just need a sex library because you have books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The most extensive sex library in the world. I think I've already fallen
1: short of that, but I can try.
0: Well, we'll keep sending you books. Thank you. You could have all your, your followers send you books on sex.
1: So many of them do. Oh, it's so wonderful. I just, I don't know how to love these books because, okay, well, here's the thing about sex books. If they're of a historic nature, if there's some sort of artifact, they're over 50 years or 100 years old, then they often contain Lessons about how sex needs to be in the confines of marriage, or the woman is frigid, et cetera, et cetera. Homosexuality is a sin, and that's a hard thing to want to hang on to.
0: But knowing your history and where thinking comes from—it's—I uh, um, can't think of the word.
1: Essential. Anyway, it's—it's
0: it, it, yeah, it's useful.
1: I agree, but I think with something like your field of art, you can have sculptures and paintings from many, many centuries ago and not feel repulsed by them. Although I guess it could be wrong. Maybe there's something in there, too, that's offensive.
0: Well, there are some kinds of arts that are offensive. Art that makes us uncomfortable is, um, disturbation. It's called disturbation.
1: What is, what, (laughs) what are you saying?
0: Well, there's, there's, that's an uh, actual like, word? Yes. Oh, like, there's a lot of Kiki Smith. I think it's Kiki Smith. Her art. Like, she'll have sculptures of women with a blood trail coming out of them. Mm. Um, and I find them disturbing because of the way I was brought up. Mm-hmm. And there are other arts. Some people would say Keith Haring's art is, is disturbing, if you look at it closely, mm-hmm. or Romare Bairdon. I mean, there are just, there's a lot of people think sexual or homosexual art is disturbing, but the word for that to the person that's feeling that is just disturbation. Wow. That's my my understanding. So, I don't know. You'll have to look it up. Okay. Your mother, your mother might be full of shit.
1: No, see, we, we stay curious. Just keep learning right
0: Mm, I should have been wearing my stay curious t-shirt for this interview
1: (laughs) it's all sound mom no worries I
0: know I'm thankful for that
1: you know what's not sound though let's let's do kegels Uh, 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 there's
0: no there's no
1: sound (laughs) not unless you want to make it I'm not going to stop you you have my permission to do whatever you want with your mouth (laughs) (laughs) Or or your your crotch. Make a joyful noise. Um, So, well, how do you want to do them? I'm thinking just a simple count of eight, clenching with each number I say, and then I'll count down from eight to one doing the same thing. So count up eight, count down eight. Okay. Yeah, have you done kegels lately?
0: No, but thank you for reminding me.
1: Good. Yeah, no,
0: it's important. Yes. Especially when you're old.
1: Yeah, well, I don't want to pee. <laughs> I mean, I want to pee, but only when I <laughs> intend to. Not when I sneeze. Exactly. Okay, here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, seven. six five four three two
0: one Wow, that was fun do you do that with everyone
1: i do very good Mm -hmm. but this one was special it was a mother-daughter workout
0: ah there you go Mm -hmm. did you do that with uncle keith i did i think yes of course i've done it with everyone Okay, sorry, I haven't got up with all my listening.
1: No, you're fine. Yeah, Uncle Keith, he's your little brother. He was on the show. He did a great job, though he stirred some thoughts in people. Yes. Yes. Um, Okay, so we've done the Kegels. uh, The last order of business, unless there's anything else you want to say, is... um, giving our listeners Sextra credit.
0: A little homework so you don't forget it. Here's Dr.
1: Do's Sextra credit. Some sort of homework assignment that they can do within the next week while they wait for the next Sexplanations podcast episode.
0: Hmm. Well, they can look up art that's disturbing. (laughs) And send it to you. No, no, no. Um, (laughs) Uh, Then you're getting a lot of dick pics
1: that way. Um, I'm not disturbed by dick pics. Did you know that there is a website called, I think it's Critique My Dick Pic, uh, something along those lines, where there is a person who has given permission to people in the world for them to send in dick pics, and then she will give them feedback. Very
0: interesting. Now, did you, on that line, did you ever watch the, it's about an hour video on, I think it was a British man talking about the size of a penis. And he actually did a plaster cast of his, which I'll have to say it was really small. Um, But he did a whole hour of it. And in the end, he does this really great art display. Where people go in the booth and photograph and do Polaroids, mm-hmm. and then they hang them up all over the room, and people come in and they can still go in the in the little tent and photograph. And then he shows those and I was um, amazed at how different they all were. Oh yes, oh
1: yes, yes, yes,
0: yes. Mhm. So, I don't I don't know what homework you want to give everyone. Oh, I know. They should all call their mothers and have a discussion with them about sex or their fathers or their children.
1: Okay. Some some sort of relative. If you have a mother or a father you can talk to or you have a child, awesome. If not, guardians, grandparents, some sort of kin. Do you want to give them an opening question for that conversation?
0: Oh they could call up and say, Do you want to do keggles with me? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I don't know. Um,
1: Yeah. I don't know. Let's listen to this episode of the Sexplanations podcast where Dr. Doe talks to her mom. Or if you could give me the sex talk now, how would it go? Oh,
0: there you go.
1: I think you did a great job of raising me, mom.
0: I think you did a great job of raising yourself. And I just watched.
1: (laughs) Hardly. That is not how it works. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks for being on my show. Thanks for being my Lindsay. You're welcome. Um, I also want to thank Callie from Cinema Studios, Complexly for production, and Count Boogie for the jingles. Mom, I love you. I think you're awesome. And Cora Amparo, I'm still learning.
0: I love you too, Lindsay.